Well, good morning. If you want to open your Bibles to Luke 22, which was read earlier, we're going to spend the morning there. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, today is 7.30 Sunday. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it is where we talk about being called to officership, essentially what I try to do. Thank you for your pity laugh. I appreciate it. <laughs> and so uh, today is that day. And so we're going to talk about that a little later. But I just wanted you to know mainly so DHQ knows that we are observing it. So when we send in our report, they will know that we have observed 730 Sunday. Luke 22. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come and to worship you. We thank you because again and again you continually choose us. We thank you because you have set us an example in your son, Jesus Christ, who came as a servant. May we emulate that in serving others. Father, today, may your Holy Spirit convict us. Today, may your Holy Spirit guide us. Today, may we hear plainly the calling that you have on each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you will know we are in week three of our sermon series, Dinners with Jesus. And two weeks ago, we had dinner with the IRS where we talked about Jesus having dinner with Matthew, essentially with the person you least want to have dinner with because nobody wants to have dinner with the IRS. Or at that time, Matthew, who was a tax collector. And moreover, was a tax collector working for Rome as a Jewish person. He was hated by everybody and yet Jesus still went and had dinner in his honor. Last week we talked about dinner with the Pharisees. We talked about dinner with the teachers of the law and how the teachers of the law were questioning Jesus because he didn't wash his hands. But we talked about the importance of what Jesus said. It's not what you eat that makes you unclean, but what comes out of you. Today, I want to spend a little time in a, in a meal that we all know really, really well. In fact, we know it so well, we've given it a name. The Last Supper. I want to spend a little time there looking at Jesus having this last supper with his followers, with his disciples. So again, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, starting with the 14th verse, which Amelia read, but we're going to, we're going to read it again through 23, Luke 22, 14 to 23, and it says this, when the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Oh, okay. You, okay, so we'll just pause there for a minute because you know me, I like rabbit holes and we're gonna follow this one. 
I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now imagine you're in the room and you don't know what's coming because you don't if you're in the room. We know now because you know it's written down in four different books in the Bible. What do you mean by that? Before you suffer, you see this foreshadowing of what's literally right around the corner. And as he's saying this, imagine your Judas and squirming in your seat because of what you are about to do, as you have already determined you are going to do. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Again, more questions arise. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. <laughs> given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with, is within mine, is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays me. They began to question among themselves, which of them might be he who would do this? Christ was sharing the Passover, right? He was sharing a meal with them. And not just any meal, the most important meal in Jewish tradition. He was sharing the Passover meal. Why is this significant? Why is this important to the Jewish tradition? Because it, they did this in remembrance of being delivered from slavery out of Egypt. They did this to remind themselves of the bitterness it was to be in Egypt and how God sent Moses to set the captives free. You see the parallel here? He was eager to share this Passover with them because it was the last one before Good Friday. It was the last one before he would suffer and die for not just them, but for you too. And for all those who would deny him as well and spit in his face. He was eager to share this with them. Because he wanted them to see something new was coming. You celebrate the Passover as a reminder of being set free from uh, Egyptian chains. I have come so that you may be fully free. Not from any government, not from any oppression, but from sin that leads to your eternal death. And so he says, 
This is my body given for you. And he breaks it, signifying, foreshadowing his body being broken. And he says, this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You see, God was a God of, is and was a God of covenant. And the covenant that was set up with Moses, the covenant that was set up through Abraham and then David, the covenant of I will be your people or I will be your God, you will be my people. The covenant of I know you have suffered a long time I will reach out my hand and free you from Egypt. As you remember, the Passover also was about blood. If you remember, the Passover was the final plague on Egypt. And what did the Israelites have to do to avoid that plague? Sacrifice a lamb and sprinkle the blood over the entry of their doorway so that the angel of death would pass over their house. Do, do, you, do you see how the Old Testament always points to Christ? This is my blood, a new covenant. I am the perfect, spotless lamb. My blood washes over you so that you may be passed over, so that death may not overtake you. The amazing thing, and, and I just can't help but see this amazing thing and how, man, I want to be more like Christ, is he knew in that room, he knew in that room that one of them would betray him. He knew one of them would deny him. He knew almost all the rest of them would run and scatter. And how does he treat them? With love patience and goodness. Oh, may I be like that. In the midst of all of this, because you know the disciples, they are who they are, and, and as much as we like to look at them and say, what was wrong with you? Uh, we're the same way. In the midst of all of this and Jesus saying to them, hey, you know, like the parallel between Moses and the blood of the sheep and how the Passover and I am giving you a way out of sin. I am giving you freedom. What do the disciples do? Uh, they miss the point because that's what we do. Because when God gives us truths, we sometimes are so busy in our own world and in our own thinking that we miss what God is trying to say to us. And so he says then in verse 24 going on, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Oh my gosh, what is wrong with us? 
I'm going to die for you. My body's going to be broken, and I'm going to bleed for you. Yeah, but which one of us is the greatest, though? Do you, do you, oh, Lord, help us. Lord, soften our hearts. May we not be so concerned about position and where we rank. Jesus said to them, Again, I say, in the context of what I just told you, who's in the room with him? His followers, who he's loved for three years, who are all, almost all, going to abandon him over the next day. What does he say to them? Jesus said to them in verse 25, The king of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is, not, is it not the one is, that is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You worry about your position. You worry about being the greatest. You worry about all that. And Jesus then says to them, you're, you're missing the point. You should be like the youngest. And in that culture, the youngest was the weakest. You, you would know would be considered the weakest. Now, in my family, that is not true. You all met Maddox. She is woo. But in that culture... Whereas the youngest was considered to have the least amount of rights, was considered to be the weakest. You see this when Gideon talks about, I'm from the weakest house. I am the youngest, the weakest. We see this in David when we talk about King David. I am the youngest, this lowly position. And Jesus says, yeah, be like that. And those of you who want to rule, uh, serve. Turning it on its head. Why? Jesus sets himself as an example. As he goes into later, washing their feet, lowering God himself, humbling himself, kneeling down at dirty feet, right? They wore sandals and walked around where there was dirt and dust everywhere. And moreover, not to be too gross, but animals were everywhere too. And animals leave stuff. And Jesus, who is God, knelt down and washed their feet. Who do we think we are when we are unwilling to serve one another? Who do you think you are that you are unwilling to serve one another? And this is not like I'm not trying to get on you. Just see who God is. And we are to emulate who God is. The most significant event in human history was about to happen. And the disciples were just stuck in their own concerns. Ever get stuck in your own concerns? That being stuck in that, you just miss what is happening right in front of you. 
Christ lays out how the world works. How the world works is they lord their authority over us. You're an authority? Yeah, I am. Don't you forget. But he says, not you. That is not who you are to be. And then he lays out what it means to be a part of the kingdom of Christ and a part of the new covenant. Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13, 13 to 16 says this, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than their master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. You see, in our broken culture, in our brokenness, in our sin nature, we unfortunately view certain seats at the table as honorable or being served as a position of honor because throughout history, this is how importance was expressed through power. But Christ turns this upside down. You want to be an honored guest? Serve. That's it. Don't worry about where you sit at the table. Don't worry about your ranking in the kingdom. Because guess what? I doubt there's a ranking. It's not like college football, guys. Serve one another in love. And then he goes on. Verse 28. You are those who stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you, like, Christ is so amazing. Here they are. I am laying out to them. Jesus is laying out to them this new covenant. I'm about to suffer and die for you. I'm about to break. My body's going to be broken. I'm going to spill blood. You're worried about who's greatest. Who gets to sit closest to me at the table. That's what you're worried about. And he doesn't. He rebukes them in such a kind way. And then says to them. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. Knowing well. They're not going to be doing that soon. And I confer unto you. A kingdom. Great is God's reward. Great is his reward. Because of your faithfulness, you are a part of the kingdom. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I have learned from my father. I have made known to you. You have stood by me, even though you're not going to here in a little bit. You have stood by me and I know you're going to come back. So I confer unto you a kingdom. Great is your reward. 
be a servant. Be faithful, for great is your reward. Do you, like, again, who he's talking to are fishermen and tax collectors and people that, like, society says, eh, like, they do, they do jobs that keep things going, but they're not important people. And, and Jesus himself, God himself is saying to them, I am giving you a kingdom. They're not royalty. They're not as the world would view as important. And yet Jesus saying, I am setting up a holy nation, a royal priesthood that each of us get to be a part of. He goes on in verse 30, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. <laughs> because you have been faithful. Because you have been a servant. You will be given a seat of honor. You see, what does Jesus say? Store up treasures where? In heaven, where moth and rust can't destroy, where, where thieves can't break in and steal. That is this. You want to store up treasures in heaven? Be a servant here. Because Jesus says, I confer to you a kingdom, and moreover, I am going to give you a seat of honor. Think about your own lives, friends. Like, who are we that God would want to confer on us a seat of honor? Huh. This morning, are you a servant? Do you serve others? You want to be honored guests. That's it. That is how you become an honored guest, is you serve one another in love in Jesus' name. There's a preacher. And I told you we were going to talk about the calling piece. There was a preacher years ago. And as soon as I start saying this quote, many of you will know exactly who I'm talking about. There's a preacher years ago who said to a group of people, tons of people in the room. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call. I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face. After you've done all of that, Look Jesus in the face, 
whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether or not you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. I am here to tell you today, all of you are called to something by God. We are all called to be servants of the Most High. And friends, some of that means in officership. Some of that is in local officership. Some of that is in our local, what we do as our jobs. All of us are called to do something. But I am here to tell you now, if you say to me, you are not called, you are missing all of the New Testament. You are missing a key point of Christ, right? He only gives a couple of commands, Jesus. And do you remember one of them right when he ascends is what? Go and make disciples. Not called, did you say? Mm, not heard the call is what you should say. So this morning, as we have some music play, Let us give thanks to God who has provided a path out of sin through his blood. It has provided freedom to the captors. Let us give thanks to him. But let us also look in ourselves and, and really seek whether or not you and I are servants of the Most High God. Whether or not we look to serve others. And I don't mean look to serve others so people say how great we are. That is an easy thing for us to fall into. No, no. May they look at what we do and honor our Father in heaven. And friends, if you today are saying you have not, you're not called, I would tell you, look again. Listen again. Because you are all called by God. This morning as the music plays, won't you come?